We're back for another episode on food safety. Today we're going to talk a little bit about hand washing and how you time yourself by singing the ABC song. Welcome to the 10 Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business coach, author of five food truck vending books, including Food Truck 101 and Food Truck 201. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's just go through some of the basics just real quick. Sure. Here's one that comes up a lot. When should you send somebody home that's sick as an employee? There are what we call the five reportable symptoms. And when I say that, it is more reportable to management. So right. uh, again, these are rules for the brick and mortar where they're assuming we have 20 employees running around front and back of house. So we kind of got to narrow it down to our, our, our food truck, our mobile food unit, um, where there may be one or two or three of us. But um the reportable symptoms, meaning let, let the supervisor, the owner, the manager know would be fever, sore throat, vomiting, diarrhea are the main four, or the first four. Then they throw in that fifth one, jaundice, which is the most uncommon one. But I'll get so start on the common four, fever, vomiting, sore throat, diarrhea. If, you, if any of the staff has that or you yourself, you need to go home. You need to stay away from the operation for a minimum of 24 hours after the symptoms end. So. You got a fever a full 24 hours after your fever is gone or you quit throwing up because um, those mean are usually alluding to some kind of virus, something. Mm -hmm. um, the number one for the past seven, eight years, the number one, uh, what they call a foodborne illness, which a lot of us think we're, we're thinking E. coli or salmonella, meaning it came right. from the, but technically when they track foodborne illness could mean it came from an employee. Somebody got sick at our restaurant because they ate, but it could have been because an employee passed it along, not just because the, the meat went bad. Right. Um, Norovirus makes up about 50% for the past five to six years. And COVID, you know, we're, we're, we're not even looking at COVID. Um, norovirus, which is the really bad stomach bug, the GI bug, um, it is the number one because a lot of people ha are, are carrying it and we don't know. You know, we may not be showing symptoms. Um, it's, the it's also the most, the, uh, the most misdiagnosed as food poisoning. Everybody thinks they have, you know, have E. coli or something right. like that because, um, yeah, we will eat. We'll, I contracted this morning from somebody, then have lunch, and then about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, it hits you, and you think it's food poisoning because it'll hit you, you know, like that. It does. It's not slow. Um, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're, we're vomiting. So, um, but yeah, so norovirus is that virus that that that's going to come from employees. Um, Twenty-four hours symptom-free, they can come back. That's the main one. Jaundice is another one that you, you may see, like on the test, or inspectors may ask about it if we understand. The jaundice is the yellowing of the skin and eyes when our liver, that's the use, you know, the liver is getting attacked. It's usually, if, if it comes to illnesses, it's going to be hepatitis, the hepatitis or HIV viruses. Those are a little more where we're going to have to exclude them, of course, and let our, most states say, let the reg, local regulatory authority know. And I did want to clarify that local regulatory authority is probably the easiest term. I know you said in Florida, we don't call it the health department or, yeah. uh, you know, I'm in North Carolina, we have a hundred counties, but we also have the Cherokee Indian Reservation. All 100 counties call the health department, but the reservation doesn't. So we have the local regulatory authority. It, 
is easier is all encompassing because not every state calls it a health department. But um, right. so you want to let that authority know that someone has, and then they're going to kind of give us guidance. It doesn't doesn't mean anybody's fired or can't ever come in. But those four main ones: the fever, vomiting, sore throat, diarrhea. We want them to stay home 24 hours after symptoms in. Just it, it's just just keep track of it. That that is going to be the number one way. A lot of people think it's going to be because you know the E. coli. We didn't cook our, our burgers correctly right. or something like that. But that's not the the leading cause. Is employees bringing and the virus to the establishment and a food truck more than a restaurant because what we're in small small quarters yeah there's no way to get you know we're, if we're coughing it's, it's got a six by six space to to be contained in or if, if you know if we are getting sick and of course the number one tool to stop that would be washing hands you know that is our, our and gloves and everything like that it um is is our number one tool as well it, it, it I've, I've said this since day one to also end up kind of being in in the industry before i got into ins- the inspection side was I understood it is not an industry where uh, um, where people want to take off when they're sick mm-hmm. where there's not many not not a lot of benefits or paid time off or sick days right. in the food industry. So um, you got to as, as some of our food trucks grow and we get more and more employees, it is something, you know, they don't want to miss that gig where they know they're probably mm-hmm. walking away with with a, with a good day's wage. They uh, they may not share with us. So we got to keep a close eye on it because um, that that can that can ruin the business in a heartbeat. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about you. You said one way to help kind of stem off that is to hand wash. So how should you hand wash now frequently? The rule, you know, we 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 were taught using daycare. We teach the daycare, sing your ABCs. So you don't right. have to sing your ABCs uh, while you wash your hands in the the food truck. But the 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 uh, guidance is twenty. It should be a twenty five to thirty second process. The entire part of hand washing, ten to fifteen of those seconds should be scrubbing. So scrubbing is the most important part of hand washing because it's getting all that, all the debris off, all the, mm-hmm. all the germs. If you did that, if you left the restroom or, uh, you know, if you just got through cutting chicken, we're getting all that stuff off of. So a full 25 to 30 second process, you know, start wash, wet your hands first, apply the soap, do the 10 to 15 seconds of scrubbing, rinse that all down the drain, wash all that stuff down the drain. And then well, um, it has to have some kind of single use drying method. So a paper towel or a blow dryer can't, can't use a rag or anything that could recontaminate our hands. That's a big one. Um, and then it says uh, frequently, which is very uh, open to interpretation. So it's uh, easier. Most most regular most agencies are saying when you switch task. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you know, I don't need to wash my hands before taking out the trash, but I certainly need to when I'm coming back from taking out the trash. Um, of course, you know, raw, it, you, you can draw those fine lines. You're switching from raw food to ready to eat food. Of course, you know ready to eat food to raw food not as as not not necessarily because this is when are we going to contaminate the next the next thing and then definitely before putting on a new pair of gloves we want to we want to wash our hands before we touch that clean pair of gloves so we don't contaminate it but those are when it's required the hand washing station is is the, it also has the most requirements out of all of our sinks we got to keep the soap and paper towels or blow dryer uh you know keep that stocked um we got to have the warm running water and then they love the sign. Almost every state loves to take points if that sign falls off. Or you don't have that yeah. that sign we've all seen at every hand washing sink, even in the bathrooms, that all employees must wash hands before returning to work. After a smoke break, after going outside, all that kind of stuff, wash your hands. So you can never wash them enough. That's very true. How about the trash can? Does uh, your state require there to be a trash can at the sink and yes. only used for paper towels? Not, no, not every state says only for paper towels, but you do have to have, if, if you have the paper towel, if you're not using a blow dryer, you do have right. to have a trash can within, yeah, kind of up to their judgment if it's close enough. Yeah, you do. You do somewhere to dispose it. But um, not every state requires it. That's where some go a little more strict and say, wait, you've got to have a dedicated 
right. waste bin just for your sinks, but that's not that's not a federal one yet. Just have to it have one to nearby. Be. I agree. Yeah, because what? Yeah, exactly. Let's let. It's just it, it, it's one of those things. Once you realize, I think that's why I, I got out of the inspecting, but still love to teach it. Is because I want to. Ex, I, I like to explain why. I think so many of us were just taught, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do this. I'll, I'll, I'll do this example real quick um, where I feel like it's the eternal debate forever. Anytime I teach a class, if I have five or more people, then I'll, I'll ask different feedback what, um, on employee beverages in a kitchen because I swear everybody has a different answer. It's because we've all been told one way to do right. it, not from a boss usually. Um, yes, you're allowed to have your, your employee drink in a kitchen or in the food truck, but the three requirements it has to meet is a lid, so nothing mm-hmm. falls in and out, a straw, a lot of people forget about that straw. So we can't have our Yeti coffee mugs or our right. drink cans or drink bottles. Number one reason, hand to mouth. They want right. that barrier. So we're drinking. So our hand doesn't get anywhere near our mouth as we take a sip. But the one most of us would get taken points for is it has to be below food surface of food and food contact surfaces. So a lot of times we got our drink or our coffee mug or bottled water right below us, but there's pots and pans or yep or food or, you know, utensils down there. And so it's been easier to say, no, this is the only place you can put employee drinks. But, um, you know, I, so I got into the why rather just saying yes or no, you're not allowed to do that. And people kind of forget after you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, caught, I learned I, I was doing the six hour inspections that <laughs> because I was, I was teaching more than I was inspecting, which right. is okay. But if people understand why, why should you have a, a dedicated trash can to your hand washing? It makes perfect sense because you got all sorts of, of, uh, of food scraps and raw meat and also, you know, in trash cans. And you don't want that chance of, uh, of if anything, cro- you know, crossing over. Exactly. So. And plus it gives you proof that you actually have been doing hand washing. Cause if you, <laughs> if you throw it into a common trash can, you can't see all the different little wadded up paper towels. That's a good point. That's it, a good point. Yeah. A, a dry hand washing sink is not a good. It's also yeah, exactly. Bad and indicator. if the trash can is empty, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, that's what I always look for. Anytime I would go into one of my restaurants, would be go look yeah. at the trash can. Yeah, we had we had three hand washing stations. We go look at all three of them, and if there weren't like a lot of wadded up paper towels in there, yeah. you're not doing your job. The the, the, the yeah yeah a, a full trash can and, and and a fairly empty soap soap containers is yeah, a good exactly. sign in a wet sink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Then you you at least know they're they're going through the motions. That's <laughs> right. They're doing the full twenty seconds or not. <laughs> that's that's it. We talked about teaching our employees the uh, food handlers because as a food manager, you can do that. You can be the one. What would be the, I guess, the the major points you would want to get across to an employee? I would say temperatures. So everything from our holding temperatures, our hot and cold holding temperatures, and then our minimum internal required cooking temperatures would probably be, you know, really big focus points. And of course, washing hands, because we right. talked about that enough. So we can, we can buy, we know that one, but definitely for our, for our food handlers. Um, yeah. The, all of our temperatures and then our, the way we would store it. If, if you're getting, especially if you're getting more than one type of protein in, you're getting a lot of different foods, uh, how are we going to store that if we get them in raw in our coolers and, um, and then how to correctly wash, rinse and sanitize our, our, our dishes in all of our food contact services. So, um, roughly that temperature danger zone, which most states call it. The, so the federal, the FDA code that, that most of us are, you're using one way or the other cause it a danger zone, the temperature danger zone do not. So we don't want to hold any of our foods that we have to keep hot or cold our, our temperature controlled foods. We do not want to keep the, they have to stay at 41 or below 135 degrees or higher for hot hold. So that that's in, and, and that may be like in Florida, it might be 40. That's okay. But so 41 or below 
give um, it, it overall or for our refrigerated foods, anything that we put in the refrigerator, cold holding, if we're transporting it, when you receive it from your one year, if you, if you get a, a food truck delivery or if you run to the store, um, we want to make sure it's at 41 degrees the whole time. Um, and then anything you're keeping in your steam tables, your, your hot holding, anything like that, um, we're gonna keep it at 135 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. That's holding. Uh, where it gets a little, little harder, uh, I like to put charts up anywhere I work. I'll put the food, the storage chart, which is kind of right. shows all the different foods and then the minimum internal cooking temperature. So the higher we have to cook it by rule, the lower we're going to store it. So if you start at the top, we want to put all of our, our just ready to eat foods. It's not going to be cooked. So that could be that could be carrots, you know, or it could be chicken salad because chicken salad is right. not getting cooked again. It's going to be just going right to somebody's, you know, right, to, right, right to somebody's uh, being eaten. So we're not letting anything drip on it because it, it, it has no chance after that. No raw, nothing raw is going to drip on it. So we're going to put that on the top shelf because there's no cooking re requirement at that point. The next shelf down. And this is great because when I teach the classes for a lot of restaurants, I actually say we have to envision we're on a food truck where we have one refrigerator <laughs> because, you know, we got big walk-in coolers. You can have one side for chicken, one side for beef, yes. but we don't have that luxury at all in our food trucks. So that's actually what I say when I teach the class. I go envision we're on this food truck and we have one big refrigerator we have to put our food in. So that top shelf's going to be anything ready to eat, bread down to the chicken salad and everything in between, not going to be cooked. Next shelf down is going to be our produce. So anything that's not a protein. So it's going to be that we're going to cook and be hot held. We're going to cook it to at least 135. So if you can keep onions for the burgers hot, any anything like that, um, you know, rice, if we have rice as a side dish, any, anything that we're keeping that's uh, that just has to stay hot in those steam tables, we're going to cook it to at least 135 degrees because we're going to hold it at 135. One below that, 145 degrees. This, so again, this is why it's easier to put a, one of these charts. Um, I could even share it with a group. I have a few good ones we can. And I think you have some. You have some in the in the files. Put that up, just print one out and put it up in, in the kitchen. Um, but 145 is going to be all of our seafood and whole cuts of pork and beef. Once we grind any of that up to hamburger and sausage or anything like that, we're going to go 155 degrees. Our biggest concern with ground beef, because I know we get a lot of burger and taco places, um, trucks, is E. coli. That's the biggest, the number one cause of E. coli outbreaks is ground beef every year nationwide. Uh, so we cook that to 155 degrees, a little higher. And then all poultry, if it has wings and it lays eggs, it is considered poultry. So that's our turkey and our chicken, of course, and everything else. We go 165 or higher, 165 degrees or higher. And that's for salmonella. That's the second leading. Yeah, the, the second most common foodborne outbreak behind E. coli is salmonella. And that's going to be from our poultry. I don't know if uh, a couple of months ago, I don't know if some of our food trucks probably had a, were part of this recall, but Jeff Peanut Butter had a recall. And I heard it, it was all over the news and it said a salmonella outbreak. And if you had two item numbers on, if you went to your pantry and had one of the two item numbers and throw it out, everybody else is okay. They had did a really good job of, of narrowing FDA and USDA work together. And they were able to narrow down the salmonella outbreak to a Kentucky plant. Was it the Kentucky Jeff peanut butter's fault that they, they weren't doing anything wrong? Cause you think, well, how is salmonella getting into a peanut, <laughs> to a peanut butter factory? Yeah. Well, they backtrack it to the peanut farmer. Guess what was uphill up the mountain from a peanut farmer was a chicken farm. <laughs> so that salmonella waste was coming downhill to the poor peanut farmer yeah. growing his peanuts underground. And but so that's the salmonella is is pretty resilient, but uh, it's going to always come from from poultry. And so this going to be on the bottom shelf because we don't want to let it drip on anything um, that that would be cooked to a lower temperature. So and then uh, I do I, I, it's getting more and more common as we're getting really crafted and really fun and unique with all of our different offerings. You know, food trucks are getting. Just awesome. And craft burgers. I'm seeing so many just fun smash burgers and craft burgers. 
Uh, I go to food truck, you know, rodeos and stuff like that. They're getting, they're getting really, really neat. You can, food trucks do are allowed as well, just like any restaurant. We are allowed, most states. Again, got to put the disclaimer check with your local inspector. But according to the federal code, um, food trucks, food trailers can offer undercooked, or, or as I call it, uh, food cooked to order. Meaning they ask for a burger, how would you like that cooked? Medium, medium well. Uh, but the, the biggest thing there, if anybody's listening that's, that's thinking about it, the two things you have to follow, and, and every state's going to agree with this, you ha- it has to be cooked to order. So we know we're cooking it for the person who ordered it. And we have to have a consumer advisory yeah. out there for us. So it, it just lets them know that, yeah, you can order a medium burger, but we it's it, but it can't be the ones if we made 50 ahead of time. And they're just sitting there in the steam well. We can't, we can't offer those undercooked because we don't know which ones. But if, uh, if somebody orders a medium steak or a medium burger or sunny side up eggs, we are allowed to on food trucks as long as we have the consumer advisory and we cook it to order specifically for that customer. We've covered ourselves. We're not getting in trouble. <laughs> it's not coming back to us. Yeah, and that's the important part. We cover ourselves and don't get in trouble. That's it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they took the liability on. We, we put that disclaimer out there for them. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about how health inspectors turn into detectives whenever they're told about a potential problem with a food truck or a restaurant. Thank you so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful to your food truck business, please become a monthly supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. Join our Facebook group. It's called Food Truck Training. We have a whole bunch of awesome members at all different levels, from brand new beginners to decades old veterans. They've all got your back when it comes to helping you with your food truck. And again, thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say when it comes to helping you and your food truck business grow.